Morning Western Sydney and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to traditional custodians of the land we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jonna, before we get into our sporting focus this week, what were some of your highlights from the sporting week that has been? Um, yeah, I mean, I think kind of looking back, um, I've kind of popped this one on here because it was pretty much right after we uh, went to air with everything, but it has to be, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers' season has come to an end for the New York Jets. Um, Justin will say it could have been a success this year. Tearing his Achilles. Um, look, that's really... It's, yeah, whatever just, you think of Rodgers, yeah, it's a really unfortunate So unfortunate, because you, you saw this as a real opportunity for him yep. to kind of prove himself. Yep. I think Jets fans would have loved having him Fresh on that Fresh start field. almost for him. And I think everybody who maybe was at work, didn't tune into the game, would have been shocked by the news if you're a Jets fan to yep. see that happen so early on. Um, some people blame me on the pitches, this, that, but I mean... That's just sad to see that kind of happen. So very, very unfortunate for him. Then next would be switching over to the NBA, seeing some new rules about resting of star Did players. Did say this. Um, it's really interesting, kind of really honing in on the whole, you know, we see especially national televised games, yep. sometimes the star players. So they're defining star players. As you know, those players are making all NBA teams or all-star teams. Um, but some new rules around that. Now look, LeBron James does, I think by definition of the rules, he is, a little bit different in that sense because of his age. But overall, I, I wonder how this is going to impact the game. Do you think it's a positive thing? I, You know, I think, look, when it comes down to it, the NBA ticket sales have, have just, in terms of the ticket price, mm-hmm. have just gone up significantly. So yeah. I think at the end of the day, look, it is that hard thing of some of these fans scrape together whatever they can to see some yeah. of these teams play. And when you don't see those stars play, it's, it's just so unfortunate from a fan yeah. perspective. I know myself moving here to Australia, now I'm looking to go back and I want to go to a game. And the ticket prices I'm looking at have almost tripled in, in yeah. that time, right? Yeah. So. I think you do need to have those stars out there as much as possible. Unfortunately, look, they're getting paid a hefty, hefty wage to be out there. So I know when it comes to load management, it's going to be hard. But then that just means maybe uh, reducing some minutes or things like that within the game throughout the whole season. Um, But yeah, it's definitely going to be, it's something to keep an eye on. It's going to be very interesting to see how that uh, that goes during the year. Definitely. And then lastly, we don't talk about it much, but... In college football, what Deion Sanders is doing with the University of Colorado Boulder, I think is absolutely fantastic. Unbelievable. He is a personality in the NFL, has always been, now kind of taken over this program as head coach. The University of Colorado Boulder has always been a big university in terms of Div 1, but never really held into that high category for football, for um, NFL-style football, gridiron. But um, he's gotten them off to 3-0 start, and he has taken that primetime stage. I think he's the most talked-about team in college football. They have a huge test now. The next two games, are, they're playing against number 10-ranked Oregon and then USC as well. So we'll see if their fairy tale start can, uh, can last. But um, hats off to him anyway yeah. for really shaping that program and at least getting them in the limelight. They're all over Sports Center. They're all over every single major headline yep. um, when it comes to college football. So he at least has shined a big light on that college program. Yeah, it's great to see. For me, Jono, uh, I guess probably one of the results out of the Rugby World Cup so far, Fiji defeating Australia 22-15. to It was Fiji's first win over Australia since 1954 and their third overall, meaning... Australia's next game against Wales is massive and is pretty much a must win if they want to get through the group. Um, but congratulations to Fiji. Yeah, they huge. thoroughly deserved it. Eddie Jones, even after the game, said that they deserved it. They were the better team. Um, and Australia have some soul-searching going into their next game massive there at the Rugby World Cup. 
Hallelujah. Someone other than Red Bull's Max Verstappen has won an F1 race as Ferrari's Carlos Sainz Jr. won the Singapore Grand Prix. I mean, obviously, Red Bull still dominating the Drivers' Championship uh, there with Max Verstappen. But good to see Jono, another driver, being able to win. Uh, one of the Formula One uh, races there with obviously the dominance of Red Bull. His dominance has just been unbelievable. Let's let's be real. I mean, it, it's it's been what two or three three years, pretty much constantly yep. of just his name just coming always to the top. It just seems every single time. So fantastic to see a little bit of a shakeup, but we'll see if that lasts more than yeah. We'll see <laughs> how long that lasts for more than one race. And also, this was a bit of news that broke earlier in the week. But congratulations to Matilda's Kyrie Cooney Cross who signed with Arsenal. Yep, um, obviously, another Matildas, another Australian player into that Arsenal team. And Claire Hunt, who we thought was one of the players yeah, of, the, of the tournament, yeah. signing with Paris Saint-Germain. I think a really good story. Claire Hunt, 24 years old, had hardly had any um, experience at that level when she played at the World Cup, was outstanding, yep. and has really deserved a big move to Paris Saint-Germain. So hopefully it goes well with her. So congratulations to those Matildas. And um, they'll be back here in Australian Shores uh, later this year, playing some qualifiers for the Asian Cup. So it'll be great to see those girls out here once again. Well, Jono, before we get into, obviously, the NRL and AFL finals, because our preliminary finals have now been uh, decided, a couple of sad passings, both in the AFL world and in the NRL world. We'll start with the AFL. An AFL legend, Ron Barassi, passed away aged 87 after complications from a fall. Uh, he won six premierships as a player with Melbourne, two premierships as a coach of Carlton, one as captain coach, and two with North Melbourne as a coach. He was inducted in the Australian... Australian Football Hall of Fame in 1996, inducted into the Sport Australian Hall of Fame in 1987, and elevated to a legend of Australian sport in 2006. Jono, really one of the great names of Australian football here and obviously in Australia, um, and a sad passing, one of the, the real legends um, when it comes to Australian rules football. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, someone who clearly played before my time, um, and even when I came to Australia, you look, that was kind of one of the names that comes up. When you yep. look at kind of the greats and everything too, right? When you look back at the history books, you just look and his name is kind of across everything. And, and as you point out, as both, you know, not only just as what he was able to accomplish on the field, but essentially in that managerial roles as well. Absolutely. So um, it's definitely sad when you lose a legend of the game like that. But um Man, had a great career, both playing and managerial as well. Yeah, he'll always be fondly remembered. Also a sad passing NRL just recently, Lionel Morgan. He was the first Indigenous athlete to represent Australia in any major sport, passing away aged 85 in Brisbane. He played three internationals for Australia and was recognised as part of the Indigenous team of the century alongside Arthur Beetson, Laurie Daly and Jonathan Thurston in 2008 and has influenced many of our yeah. uh, modern-day Indigenous athletes such as Co. Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, etc. So, Jono, again, a significant passing here um, and obviously significance in, in being the first Indigenous athlete uh, to represent Australia in any major sport. Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, another you know, huge legend in terms of when you look back at the history books, but it's more significant in terms of what he was able to do and shape the Absolutely. game moving forward. And it's not only just particularly rugby, but if, as you pointed out, it's it's the games across Australia, right? And being that kind of pioneer and breaking down that essentially racial border that was there. Yeah, so um, hats off for that. And again, that will be something that will 100% never be forgotten. Yeah, particularly significant coming, obviously, with the with the yes vote yeah. marches during the weekend. So a particularly significant passing and hopefully will be fondly remembered there, Lionel Morgan. Well, on the field, Jono, it was, as I said, the NRL and AFL elimination finals weekend. We'll start with the NRL. 
And Melbourne edged your Sydney Roosters 18 points to 13 on Friday. A fantastic game. The Roosters' uh, injuries and suspensions plaguing the team, but they were immense. Uh, went ahead 13-12 with about 10 minutes to go, and Melbourne uh, scored a fantastic try uh, with barely minutes left on the clock to snatch it away from the Roosters. While on Saturday afternoon, John, in New Zealand in front of a packed house, the Warriors dazzled against the Newcastle Knights, 40 points to 10. Sean Johnson came back for the Warriors and was immense, John, and obviously overshadowed Kalen Ponga, who had been uh, so good for the Newcastle Knights in this run-up to the elimination final. Yeah, look, I mean, as we kind of pointed out last week, I think that in looking at the, the Storm Roosters, the Roosters kind of fairy tale, kind of scrapping Amazing to get to where they got to. I think, you know, you look back at this, and fantastic, yeah, yep. because they really were able to push through in, in that late kind of season surge there, um, but... We all kind of thought that eventually it was going to come to an end. And, and look, the better team definitely won on the day. Um, but switching over to that news, the Warriors-Knights game, a crazy atmosphere there. You Great atmosphere. Feel, you yep. could honestly feel that. I think they that. could have sold that game twice over. It, it, was, it, it was immense. And I think that it really just shows as well kind of on the struggles that, let's say, the All Blacks kind of had to start yep. in, um, in the Rugby World Cup that... Maybe teams are starting to rally against uh, around these Warriors team, this Warriors team, and really this this could be the team that they fully back as well. Because you would have thought with a Rugby World Cup going as well that all their attention would have been on that. But fantastic to see. I thought the atmosphere you could feel from the from even the, watching it on the television, it was just absolutely incredible. And the players just showed a, a clear dominance in comparison against the Knights. And it was such a fast start. Newcastle were never really able to, to get yeah. that momentum back from that fast start by the Warriors, and they fully deserved that victory. Looking ahead to the preliminary finals this weekend, Penrith will take on Melbourne, which should be an absolute Tough. cracking game there, while Brisbane will take on the Warriors in Brisbane. John, looking ahead to those games... Can you see an upset with one of those uh, elimination final teams winning through, beating, obviously, either Penrith or Brisbane? Look, I, I think that the only upset that I can potentially see, as much as you know, I know exactly what it would be like to play in, 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 in Brisbane, would just be absolutely immense in terms of the crowd. But I think that the Warriors having such a backing of their home crowd kind of in that last game, maybe that gives them a little bit of an edge to go into yep. Brisbane and really want to shake things up there. That's the only potential upset I can see. Maybe that will happen. I can't see Penrith getting upset. I'm sorry. I know it's going to be such a good game, but I still just think overall quality, they're just going to be able to see that game out. Yeah, I think it is shaping as potentially a Penrith first Brisbane final, which would be yep. the two best teams over the year. And, and that would be an amazing no. grand final if it was. Well, Jono, switching our attention to the AFL and what a game it was on Friday night. Your Carlton, Jono, in front of 96,000 fans. An amazing atmosphere. Crazy. Somehow, Melbourne, they kicked 9-17. They could not kick straight on the night. They they probably dominated the game in regards to, to field position and in terms of shots on goal. But Carlton hung in there, Jono. They kicked one late, and they held on to win 73-71 to mm-hmm. over Melbourne. What an amazing achievement by uh, this Carlton team. They... They were looking like they may miss the finals partway through this year, and they've had an amazing back end of the year, um, and they're through to a preliminary final, which is amazing for that club. Yeah, I mean, as we touch on, it's not about how you start the season sometimes, it's all about how you finish, and we said kind of when we looked in, sh- in the shaping of this whole final series that they were going to be a team that could be a force to be reckoned with, and they've just proven that. Look, maybe... Overall in the game, a little bit lucky in the sense as you kind of point out, it, it just takes a couple meters to one side and that could have been a very, very different game. But we've seen the inability of teams to kick straight yeah, this year has cost them. And it, this has been an 100%. issue for Melbourne yep. through this year. They probably could have even been Collingwood the week 
before. Yep. And again, that lack of being able to kick straight cost them in the end. Well, that's what almost makes AFL such a great game yep. as well. It's literally, we're talking about the minute detail of just kicking one meter to one side, or, or we're talking a little bit, a couple centimeters even yep. at times, right? Um, but 100%, that's what that's what cost Melbourne this, this game, right? I'm not saying that Carlton played that phenomenal to really push through and have a dominant win or anything like that, but it was kind of maybe maybe it was that little bit of defensive pressure, just kick them, just, just knock them off that little bit or something. But look, you'll take this and you'll go with this momentum that they've had in these last couple games. Yep. They will ride this momentum going into the next one. Yeah, amazing scenes there. And then on Saturday evening, I had a feeling this this may be the result. The Giants overpowering Port Adelaide 93-70. to Jono, Port Adelaide, they ran out a bit of a huff at the end yeah. of this season. Obviously, they had a great season to finish in the top four. Uh, were, well built, were well beaten in the first week of the finals. And the Giants never really looked like they would be run down. Port Adelaide did threaten at times. Uh, but credit to the Giants. Again, a team that had a coaching change. I don't think many people predicted them to make a preliminary final, and they've had a great end to the season, and, and now they, who knows, they could go all the way to the big dance. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. Um, definitely, um, you know, facing Collingwood in the next yep. round is going yep. to be very, At the very MCG, hard. it's yeah, going to be it's, huge. It's, it's not going to be the same as, a, as, you know, Port Adelaide, but at the same time, look, they've done incredible, really, to get to this point. Absolutely. They've done incredible in terms of the way that they've been able to win in this final series as well. Um, they've done it. You know, as you point out, this last game done it quite convincingly. It looked pretty yep. comfortable the whole time, um, but now I think that it's such an uphill battle to go to go against Collingwood. It's it's a different beast there, different beast yep. playing in Melbourne against yep. a team like Collingwood, a team like Carlton, who bring out those huge, huge crowds. So it's yep. very, yep. very different going against one of them. And I expect, as you point out, you know, you have ninety six thousand for Carlton. I'm expecting near and it'll same be another ninety well thousand. I assume with Collingwood as well. Yeah, talking about the preliminary finals, Brisbane will take on Carlton. Can Carlton be the first team to win in Brisbane this year or take have to be. an immense have effort? Be. But hey, Carlton have got nothing to lose and they're running on momentum. But Brisbane have been impressive. Yeah. And then as he said, Collingwood will take on the Giants at the MCG. Again, will be a huge effort by the Giants to defeat Collingwood. Again, looking maybe like a Collingwood-Brisbane grand final, which again, probably your two best teams yeah. this year, most consistent teams this year. Um, but it shapes as two great Preliminary finals there this weekend in the AFL. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask because I'm seeing Collingwood Carlton, but that's all right. Now, if I was a Collingwood Carlton fan, what a grand final that would be. We know the rivalry between those two <laughs> teams. Pack some more that seats, would be though. a final. They seats. could get 200,000 in the yeah. MCG for that. So maybe some of the neutrals are hoping for a final yeah. like that because that would be some, uh, some way to finish the season there in the AFL. Well, John, another major competition that is kicking off this weekend or this week in Europe is the Champions League. Obviously, the Europa Conference League and Europa League are back as well, but we'll focus on the Champions League uh, at the moment. Kicking off Wednesday morning, Australian time. Uh, looking at some of the games here, Jono, Group E uh, will kick off. Feyenoord versus Celtic and Lazio versus Atletico Madrid. Group F, we've got AC Milan and Newcastle United. Newcastle returning to the Champions League. First time in 20 years. Well, PSG will take on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, group H, we've got Barcelona, Royal Antwerp, Shakhtar Donetsk, and FC Porto. While Group G, Young Boys versus RB Leipzig, and Manchester City versus Crevena Sveda. Jono, in terms of some of the games that stand out for you on this first match day, Wednesday morning, uh, what grabs your eye there in terms of the Champions League? Yeah, I think that the biggest one is actually going to be PSG Dortmund, right? Interesting because, game. Yeah, because I think right now PSG have not really found their kind of losing to Nice shape. Yeah, their form. Illegal uh, on the, over the weekend, three two. You know, the departure of both Messi and Neymar have actually potentially 
left a bit of a gap there as well as you know you have somebody like a Verratti as well who's kind of a He's little gone. bit of an engine yep, too yep yep so you know as much as it's Mbappe's team right now it's it's He's showing they did maybe did need a little bit more, right? You only have ever seen him at his height when he's, you know, in that French squad where he has star power all around him, and in that PSG side when he's had star power all around him, right? It's it's very different right now, and I'm very, very curious to see how he performs because I don't think anyone should be sleeping on this Dortmund team. I would have said a couple months ago or so, before everything happened in terms of the transfers, you would have had PSG cruising along here. But right now, especially with their start, I'm not too confident in what they're going to be able to do against Dortmund. Also interesting, obviously, Dortmund coming off a win, a much-needed win in the in the German Bundesliga over the weekend, 4-2. And uh, obviously, they've been adjusting to the loss of Jude Bellingham, especially in their midfield, which has been a massive loss for them. But as you said, PSG, there's a few questions around them. Defensively as well, they're not blessed with pace at the back. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Dortmund can get at PSG. Mm. Obviously, the other big game, Jono, in terms of historical Newcastle, first time in 20 yeah. years, traveling to the San Siro, one of the uh, one of the great stadiums in world football. And AC Milan coming yeah. off a 5-1 thrashing in yeah. the derby against Inter. I don't think anyone saw that because they've actually started the season quite well. Yeah. Um, so they'll be looking to bounce back. But Jono, an amazing moment here for Newcastle, back in the elite of Europe. And, and obviously, their fans are going to be up for it. Um, even though it's going to be in the Sun Seal, I'm sure they'll get as many there traveling over to, to watch them. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, if you're a Newcastle fan, you just have to be happy with the opportunity to, that's ahead of yourself. I think, I mean, we've talked about that. You are in a very tough group. Um, and this AC Milan team is going to be a good team, right? It, it, it's, it's they'll bounce be, back. They, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really, really good team. As you said, in Serie A, they, they had a great, great win. So they're a, a great kind of, you know, start in the sense, up and down a little bit, but a great start in that sense. But, man, they're, they're going to be a tough opponent there. And I don't know. Newcastle, you're happier there. Take advantage of traveling around Europe. And then you know what? You can regroup. Hopefully you make it again next year. And that's where you'll just keep on progressing up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. The other game that catches my eye, John, is Lazio Atletico Madrid. The reason being, I thought Atletico, they've started the season well, but lost 3-0 to Valencia over the weekend. And and Simeone came out and said he was one of the poorest displays he's had as Atletico manager since his time. And Lazio... Uh, they've had an interesting start under Sarri. Um, obviously lost to Juventus over the weekend. Have had a good win over Napoli uh, in Naples as yep. well. So, Jono, again, an interesting game here. It'll be interesting to see Atletico approach this as they travel to uh, Rome. Yeah, it's hard with Atletico Madrid in particular because you think about them in the last five years or so, and they've just been so hot and cold in Champions yep. League, right? And you just don't know what team you're going to be getting. They could be performing so terribly in, in, in La Liga, but then all of a sudden in Champions League, they perform. Sometimes well, they just, last year, they, they were hopeless in the Champions yeah. League. So. Or, or they don't even show up at yeah. all. So yeah. you really don't know. I think no matter what, a team like Lazio, they, they try to just put in max effort in any, yep. any knockout competition that they're in. So if they're able to perform, I think that they will potentially capitalize on, on yep. essentially this Atletico that's in a little bit of, of disarray right now. So um, it could be an opportunity for them to gain some points in the group. The other big game too, I think on the on the Wednesday morning, which I think they need a big uh, performance is Barcelona because obviously yeah. very disappointing last year. Didn't make it out of the group. They got Royal Antwerp. They should get it done at home. Uh, but Xavi will want a big performance from his players as well to start their campaign off uh, strongly. Looking on to Thursday morning, Jono. Group A, we've got Galatasaray against FC Copenhagen. Bayern Munich versus Manchester United, which we'll look at in a second. Uh, group B, we've got Arsenal versus PSV Eidenhoven. Sevilla versus Lons. 
Group C, Real Madrid versus Union Berlin and SC Braga versus Napoli. While in Group D, we've got Benfica, FC Salzburg and Real Sociedad in Inter. We'll start with Bayern, Manchester United, Jono. So many storylines we could look at going into this game. Bayern Munich uh, starting to fire. They're looking reasonably good in the Bundesliga. An entertaining 2-2 draw against Bayer Leverkusen over the weekend. Defensively, still some questions in, in that at midfield as well. I know they were after that number six uh, during the summer transfer window. But Kane... Scoring goals for them, and Thomas Tuchel, they've got plenty of attacking talent in that team. Yeah, I mean, look, for Harry Kane, this is the first opportunity to score against an English opponent again, and I think he's going to try and just just make the most. Absolutely, of that, and right? obviously, Man United were linked yeah. with Harry Kane all summer as well. Yeah, he's he's going to want this so much more yep. than everybody yep. realizes. Yep. Um, and look, I think that this Bayern team, especially with the United struggles right now, are just going to be too strong, right? They they have strength as much as they're weak. They have weaknesses. Yep. It's still it's it's their strengths just outnumbered. They've still got more individual talent. Hundred percent. You look at their individual. And I think that their firepower going forward is just going to be too much, right, for this United defense. Um, Look, I think it'll be interesting as to see if United can at least try and like take the opportunities to maintain a little possession. Yeah. Try and gain their shape and everything because I think that's been hurting them right now as well. It's not just about you know quick counter against these top teams. You got to be able to man the game as well. Control the tempo. Yeah. If they're going to be able to do that, I'm unsure. But I think this is going to be a great opportunity for them to at least take that. Right. Maybe it's not that you're going to win this game, but you got to win some some sort. You got to win some sort of battles on the pitch. You can't just lose out on everything across the whole game. I think at the moment, as a United fan, I think what's most wanted, even regardless if we don't get the result as a performance, which hasn't even been there in the early parts of this season. We've seen little bits and pieces, but obviously defensively, a little bit all over the place. Injuries affecting uh, who could potentially start there. The Jaden Sancho saga continues to go on, which is not great in the background. We've got Anthony um, back in Brazil facing charges as well. After the Mason Greenwood stuff uh, had to be handled by the club. So there's just a whole lot of mixed messages coming out of the club and and Ten Hag I think is he's, he's, he's probably the first time that he, he's shown a little bit of uh, he's struggling maybe to, to handle exactly how he communicates especially to the media in terms of where Man United are yep. he says it's not a crisis yet he, he's denied that it's a crisis United but if they we if we go to Germany and get battered yeah then you can just imagine what the critics are going to say. So I think United really have to go there, put a performance in. Yes, we may lose, but put a performance in that you can say, okay, let's build on that now for the rest of the season. Um, we need to see if Amrabat comes in. Obviously, he's coming with a slight injury if they name him because um, that midfield has been a real concern as yeah. well with, with Casemiro really being uh, isolated there. So we need to need workers um, to obviously help nullify this Bayern Munich attack. But should be, hopefully, a fantastic game. Obviously, two... Uh, traditional heavyweights of the yeah. European game going head-to-head. An interesting game, Jono, in Group C. Real Madrid, obviously, always uh, Champions League royalty against a team that's never been in Union Berlin. One of, the, I guess, the fairy tale stories in the Champions League this year. We know they're going to be playing their home matches at arch-rivals Hertha Berlin, yep. who must hate that. Um, but, Jono, what an amazing experience for this Union Berlin squad, who's, who's really just their rapid rise the last few years. Hundred percent. I mean, these are that's this is the thing of you know taking advantage of the opportunity. You've done so well to get to this point. Um, look, I don't think anyone is is really picking them to to make a deep Champions League run or anything like that. But just take advantage of the opportunity that's ahead of yourself for all these players, for the managers, for everything. Take advantage of it all. Um, you're going to be able to play against a team that's now just a class above in most cases, right? Especially with this kind of new youth coming through yep. this Real Madrid side as well. So take full advantage of that. Learn from that as well. 
um, because there's a lot to admire for this Madrid team. And just give it your all. You're absolute. playing with you no, nothing absolute no expectations, and you can potentially capitalize on that sometimes. And they'll make it hard. So, I think Union Berlin will make it hard yeah, for Madrid. And we've seen Madrid, they don't have a Benzema this year, so goal scoring for them is... Not as yep. straightforward as it may have been in the last few years. We know Bellingham stood up and, and other players have, have had to stand up. So it'll be interesting to see how, how difficult Union Berlin make it. The other two ties, Jono, that I think are, are interesting to keep an eye on or clubs to keep an eye on is Arsenal. Yep. Big spenders back in the Champions League, uh, home against PSV. You'd expect them to win that game. But Jono, pressure on Arteta because they'll want a good European run as well, as well as maintaining their Premier League push. Yeah, I mean, I think this year is all going to be about management, right? It's going to be all about squad management because it's a year that you have that pressure and that expectation. You did really well last year, right? In the Premier League. And now you have that expectation to now balance that between the two competitions. To be kind of taunted as one of the better teams you yep. need that balance it's not just about what you do in one league it's about what you do across yep. all those competitions right i think that was the biggest criticism in the past couple of years for man city is yeah they lock it up in the premier league but they didn't do it in the champions yep. league right you need that balance to be considered one of those top tier teams um so definitely i think a lot of pressure on arteta and the whole arsenal squad as well to really perform and also Jono. La, other the other team that made the final last year into milan yeah traveling away to real sociedad what do you make of this Inter team? Obviously, a great win over the weekend. Yep. Remain undefeated in Italy, so they've got off to a good start. Um, Turam, the French forward, has started amazingly well for them as well, along up with Latara Martinez. Um, be interesting to see with Inter this year, can they replicate some of the success of last year? Yeah, look, I'm never convinced when it comes to Inter, when it comes to group stage, right? I think that when it comes to the knockout kind of portion of it, I think yep. that they're actually fantastic and they know, hey, it's that do or die situation. But when it comes to group stage, I'm never really convinced with them. I don't know if it's a mentality thing or what it is. Um, as you said, you know, they'd be coming in decent form and everything, but it's not going to be easy. No. It really is not going to be easy. And I think that they need to make sure they don't go with a mentality of thinking, hey, we should be winning this game. They need to go in with that mentality of being hungry, right? That's the difference. Um so I wouldn't be shocked if the result goes the other way. I'd love to see them, of course, win because I want to see all Serie A teams really prosper. Yep. But um, I would not be shocked in, in the complacency of sometimes what you see with this Inter squad in the group stage. I wouldn't be shocked if the result goes another way. Yeah, Real Sociedad will be... They'll be a tough trip to Spain, so Inter will have to be at the best to get a result there. But as always, we look forward to the Champions League kicking off. Always a great competition. And I'm sure, John, there'll be plenty of storylines that we can chat uh, about the Champions League throughout the year. Well, as always, we'll end with five quick questions. I think you've got me this week, Jono. Yep, you ready? Let's go, mate. All right, switching over to the NBA. Big Dwight Howard has been linked to Golden State Warriors. Do you think that would be a good move for the Golden State Warriors, or should he just be done with the NBA entirely? I mean, the Golden State Warriors could do with another big man, and obviously he's going into an amazing franchise, but is Dwight Howard past his best, even... Um, even if he's obviously just a sort of uh, a rotation player in that Golden State Warriors team. But if there's any organization that could get the best out of Dwight Howard at this stage of his career, it probably is Golden State. Yeah, look, I would love actually to see him at the Phoenix Suns and teach DeAndre Ayton a couple things and just have him as a role player, a locker room guy. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting if he leaves. Yeah, it will be interesting. He's scoring a lot of points overseas. He's right loving now. it he's overseas. Loving it. He's so, dominant again. We'll see. We'll see. Um, switching over to the NFL, as I said, there's been a couple of players that after the Aaron Rodgers injury, pushing to try and get the mm. league to switch away from artificial pitches and yep. move to all grass. Yep. Do you think that should happen across the NFL? Interesting. Obviously, as you said, this Aaron Rodgers injury has sort of, uh, again, put this in, in lights. And, and obviously, with Lionel Messi going over there and saying he will not play on yeah. uh, artificial pitches as well in the MLS, 
Yeah, it's an interesting debate because obviously I still believe that if you can play on traditional grass pitches, I think they are mm. the best. And obviously we know turf, even the elite turf pitches, they are a little bit harder and sometimes turning and stuff can be hard on those ligaments. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against it if they did decide to do that, but will the NFL yeah. buckle under that pressure? I can't see it happening. Yeah, I don't think that it was necessarily the cause of the injury, but of course, that's if you're fighting that battle, you're going to use as some ammunition yep, absolutely. Um then switching over to football, do you think that Yao Felix being at Barcelona is actually going to pro- like progress his career on now? Because he's hit a bit of a stale point, I feel like, in terms of what he should have been. Do you think that this was the right move for him? Played well over the weekend against Betis, got a goal, um, was involved in one of the others with a lovely little dummy as well. So there's obviously a player there, there's a talent there. It just depends on will he play enough at Barca in terms of they've got a lot of attacking players in that sort of role. Um, but potentially if Xavi gives him the freedom, because yeah. that's what Yao Felix needs. He cannot be in it. Atletico Madrid was the worst yeah. club for him to go to in terms of a structure. He's not a Diego Simeone sort of player, so why they even signed him in the first place, I can see why that all went yeah. uh, backwards for him. So I, it would be good to see. I think Yao Felix is a good player, and I think he has the talent to, to really uh, be fantastic. So hopefully it does work out at Barcelona, and we'll see how the year goes. Yeah, I just hope, uh, like you pointed out, I hope he doesn't get lost in the squad because they do have a lot of talent, especially some young talent that clearly is going up. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, last two questions here. We'll end on some United questions for you just to break your heart a little bit more. Who's right now, based on current form, going to finish higher, United or Chelsea? Whoa, that's a tough one. <laughs> to be fair, I actually think Chelsea have probably, even with all their struggles, have probably been have played better football than us. And have been a little bit unlucky. They just can't score goals, Chelsea. They've actually created some chances. So I'm going off current form. I'd say Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. And then lastly, is United even going to put up one goal against Bayern in their Champions League draw? I think we can score. I definitely think. But because I don't rate the Bayern Munich defensive line, I think Upa Makano, I think if he starts, I think you can get at him. Especially maybe someone like Hoyland if he starts up front. But... It's the other end that concerning me in terms of our defensive line, um, the injuries we've got, who knows who's going to start, and then obviously that midfield area, which we've just been cut but through by You're saying teams. at least one goal. I think we can score. I think we can score in Bayern. You're I saying think, there's a chance. I think there's a chance. I think we can score a goal in Bayern, but let's see how many we make and see, because that may not matter uh, if it's 5-1 or something. So let's see. I'll be optimistic going in Thursday morning. Well, that brings you to another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, John. As always, thank you for your support, and good night. <laughs>